Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to Under the Helmet, looking at some long-term player value in fantasy football. I'm your host, Chad Parsons. Got Katie Flower here, the official show of uthdynasty.com, home to over 250-plus premium podcasts annually beyond the scope of this weekly preview, free content show with no ads involved. Also, UTH Trade Calculator, and wanted to shout out a pet project for the last four or five days I've been in the cave. New look, new format to the UTH rankings. You're going to see some podcasts out this week on the premium side discussing the changes, uh, the additions to uh, how those are displayed, some new content that you're probably not going to find anywhere on the internet in terms of how do dynasty rankings look. So more transparency, more action planning, and all that means good things for UTH subscribers and team builders. And speaking of team building, Katie, uh, we talked startup drafts. So that's obviously initial team build. I want to talk about some extreme situations in dynasty leagues. Hopefully we're talking about more strong and elite teams out there than the rebuilding and orphan ones uh, for the, the scope of this audience. But we're going to talk about both in terms of our biggest tips for each because neither one means you can be complacent. I don't think with any team, complacency is going to be the fix for anything. You can't just will it and, and it'll it'll come. You know, Just wish for it. You know, They always say wish in one hand and do something in another. See which one fills up first. And so uh, let's start out Katie, with extreme teams, you know, that we've all taken over orphans, had some ugly situations, helped subscribers and listeners with bad teams. We also have managed, uh, and let's try to keep our team on the top, on top, or even be better uh, in terms of the strongest teams out there. So these are uh, both situations we have experience with. Yeah. And in Dynasty, there's the extremes and then anywhere in between. And some of these tenets will still be able to be usable for those spots in between. We're not saying that it won't. But uh, before we get started, one thing I wanted to remind listeners, especially those that do listen to the premium side and have subscription to the interrogation rooms. If you hear an interrogation room and you want a copy of the league link so you can follow along, feel free to hit me up or chat if it happens to be something that either one of us have been involved in sometimes makes it easier to track. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's start out with some strong teams. So these are teams that I kind of always view in the top two or three. Like if you just look at rosters, you go, oh, that's one of the top teams of the league. You might be the best team in the league. This might be a, a team where you're working on double lineup theory, you know, of just like, oh, I can have, I can absorb two, three injuries. But no matter what, there's there's something you can work on. So what do, you, what do you put out for those strong teams of always wanting to get better and always wanting to press on the neck of your opponents to where you say, you're not catching me. I'm going to stay ahead of you. Yeah. I Anybody that's listened to me for any length of time knows that I'm not the kind of owner that trades just to trade. You need to trade with a purpose. What are you trying to improve? What position is of weakness that you're trying to get better? And since we can only give one tip... Uh, otherwise, it'd be a very, very long show. My general 
uh, far reaching is if you're a contending team, just be choosy on trades and don't trade future firsts unless you absolutely need to. There will be a point in time in season where maybe one of your starters has gone down and you need to make a still a dynasty trade. But if you don't have that capital, you can't make that push. You don't want to go from a contending team and then a couple of injuries, all of a sudden you've got no capital and then you're kind of pigeonholed for that season. If you're holding on to your draft capital for as long as you can, it just gives you more flexibility and more options. Yeah. And I think, I think one thing that applies to, to that point is, I mean, you get in season and you're projecting your pick to now be late. Hey, I, I'm, I'm two months into the year. These picks are pretty much locked into being back half. I'm working on a buy. But you know what? You can still be a seller with those picks, right? You can still be someone that says, I'm going to make a dynasty trade. And I'm going to be one of the few people out there that's comfortable right now selling my picks because I know where they're going to be later in the round. A, a lot of other teams in the league might not be willing to give up a first or even a second. And you could be a buyer for these teams that are selling, you know, an Adam Thielen type, or I'm thinking like three, four years ago, a Larry Fitzgerald type that legitimately, you know, for a second or third round pick can really help secure some depth for you that's valuable to you over the next couple of years, but someone that they can't wait to get rid of for a discount with their, oh, I'm, you know, this season's not going anywhere and I got this older producer. So I, I think that you being a seller and being open to giving that automatically puts you ahead because there's plenty of leagues. Half the league is going to want to sell a pick. Yeah. And I just see too many people trade them like way too soon. Like this time of year right this now. February. Yeah. Yeah. February through uh, August really isn't the time to be trading off your future first. You want to hold on to them as long. And you may find out that you can contend without ever having trading that pick and next year's class is strong. The 112 or the 111, it will still be a fantastic player. And then if you hit on that player, then you could potentially even sell them for a boatload the following season. Yeah, but but like you said, just holding it until you view it as applicable to cash it in, you know, is the real important point. I wrote down one key question because I think this is the thing that can trip. I know, I know when I've built strong teams, one of the one of the limitations I've had is not be not asking this question enough because you may think you have a great team and I'll say you even can think you can overcome. I'm strong at this spot so I can overcome a weakness somewhere else, but truly strong teams try to shore up every single hole, every single possibility of things that could go wrong. So here's my question. What could hold me back from winning a title this coming season? And what could hold me back from contending strongly each of the next three seasons? And I think if you keep looking at that view where you may be decent at tight end, great elsewhere, is there a way for you to get better at tight end? Have you knocked on all those doors, whether it's in season, off season, do you have auto start players across the board? Are you only two quarterbacks deep? Where guess what? That's fine. You know, as you're building up, if you're a good team, but if you become a great team, you can absorb any of your quarterbacks getting hurt and you're not going to really feel it all that much. How about what if you ended up with a top 15 quarterback in your QB3 spot? Then you start to become unstoppable. Then bye weeks don't even matter. Then matchups can play a bigger role. An injury, a suspension, whatever it is, does not make a dent and you keep chugging along. And you can apply that to every position. So you can have your preferences, 
for what you address when or what's more important. But I think when you get to the top couple of teams in your league, when you get super strong, you need to be thinking like this of if if this goes wrong, if I lose Darren Waller, if I lose uh, Devontae Adams, what happens now? How do you feel? And I think find try to find deals at any point in time. But once you can answer these questions on what could trip you up, you can almost solve problems before they even occur. And it just right. gives you and, a lot of flexibility. Yeah. And and again, being flexible, I think, is the theme that you and I have both addressed with contending team. But by collecting pieces now, older pieces, guys that people, you know, you could probably get a trade them for a third in this year's draft. This year's class we already have established isn't that great. But if you can trade a third and get a depth tight end so that just in case in season Darren Waller goes down, as you mentioned, you've got a backup play. Now, maybe they aren't the strongest. We know that tight end can be a little bit iffy, but if they've got some potential for a breakout for this year, for whatever the purpose, the reason, maybe it's a new quarterback or a new uh, change of venue or something like that, stashing those guys for cheap to give yourself some cheap depth. And then again, more options. Absolutely. All right. Now, so weak teams, Katie, this could be taking over an orphan. This could be something that is a known rebuilding project that you have been working on. This is a team that like I said, opposite, bottom two or three team in your league. Doesn't mean you can't contend this year. It just means you're behind. You look at your you look at the rosters, you're behind. Whether you knew that when you joined or that's the way it's gotten to this point, what is the biggest key? What is the biggest thing for these weak and notably rebuilding teams? If you're a weak building team, orphan team, you need to take on more risk but make it worth your while by getting multiple shots of high quality profiles before they hit and are massively hyped up. So like a a three for one or a four for one, you're getting four pieces for the one. And I wouldn't sell a young stud unless you absolutely have no other pieces and no other choice. Try to build your core around that player. Keep them as long as you can. But you're going to have to take some risk at some point. And there's a lot of the, the win now owners, they don't care about the three or four wide receivers or a couple running backs and a couple wide receivers or their 23 first plus three other pieces. And to you, if you choose the right profile, that could strike gold. You strike gold on two, you've doubled the number of players that you can now start. If you hit on three, even better, or four. And, and that's not necessarily realistic to hit on all four, but you're taking the risk, make it worth your while. Yeah, I think I think one thing, and this is kind of a prequel to what you just said, is you have to assess. You always say, know your format, study the rules carefully. You have to know how deep of a lineup is it and how deep of rosters, because if it's shallower, you can catch up pretty quickly. Now, if it's deeper, it's going to take a lot more work. So that's why if you have a core, let's say you have Justin Jefferson and Kyle Pitts, and that's it. That's really all you have of top 50, top 75 players, quality lineup options that you feel good about. And it's fortunate that they're young core players. If it's a FFPC, you know, 20 man roster, you can catch up and build around those guys. So assessing it that way versus, well, this is start 11, it's 35-man rosters, the waiver wire is going to be much more difficult and arduous to actually build from. If you're 20-man and you only have allegiance to five guys, 
you can be so active in the waiver wire for flip players, uh, uh, streaming players, uh, players that per- percolate up that you have so much flexibility with roster spots, you can catch up in a season, probably. And in addition, especially if your picks suck, right? I mean, if your picks end up high in the round, by 2023. So you may not need to do anything. But if it's deeper, as you said, dispersing from the assets you do have for two for ones, three for ones, four for ones, give me leverage chances, two players that I like for upside plus a pick. Like this is where you have to do that. You can't, it will take you forever. You will burn, you will burn how many years of you know, uh, you know, Jonathan Taylor or Jamar Chase or whoever, how many years are you gonna burn? by trying to just catch up by, well, now I have 102 and now the next year I have 102. And, you know, I, I'm trying to hit on these rookie picks. I'm doing the best I can. you still have four five, six guys three years from now. Like you're still waiting. You're still like average in the league at best. So I agree with you there. Um, and the one thing I would say is you need to carefully assess your timeline. I think one of the bigger dangers is too many people say my team sucks and then when I look at their team, I can easily create a path to them contending and doing well this year. And they want to blow it up. So I think the blowing up your roster is a cool thing to say. It's a fun venture. And then you sell it off and you get picks. But I think if you sell it for picks and you use all the picks on young players, a strange thing happens. You are still on a multi-year window. It doesn't really fix anything and you extend it out. We've seen this, the perpetual rebuilder. And then they feel like, well, I still need more things. Why? Because the picks didn't solve anything. So the picks are a tool to trade or use or whatever. You still at some point of the day have to have players. And until you get the players and whatever means necessary, but I just think too many people say, like, for example, I took over an orphan very cheaply. But what I did is I said, this was be a cool experiment. You had, I had Josh Allen, uh, I believe, I can't remember the notable uh, young running back, but I had one running back, uh, Justin Jefferson and Kyle Pitts. That's literally all the team had. But I thought, this is fun. I have one core player at each position and I got plenty of holes elsewhere. Not what I'm used to. But I'm going to say, let's see how long it takes to build around these players. Don't give up on these players. It's not an overly deep lineup. So I think you really need to, before you turn all your keys to blow this thing, blow the doors off this thing and say, I'm tearing it down to the shreds and I'm going to be 101 guaranteed. Before you do that, I think you need to properly get a couple of opinions, unbiased, unfettered opinions that of people you trust. Could be friends you know that play in a bunch of dynasty leagues. Could be Katie or myself. Get an opinion or two because I don't know about you, Katie. I don't throw around the, yeah, blow that up uh, very often. And certainly not as much as I think people would assume. Right. I'm right there with you. And I've seen so many owners make that mistake. I just saw somebody in one of my leagues do that. We're in the middle of our rookie draft and they sold their last two veterans for basically crap. And now they didn't give themselves high leverage picks or you're big, or you're big on the be picky on what you get, right? I, I think yes. a lot and one thing that you say a lot is people take these packages and it's like, well you're not, you know, oh the best young upside piece you got was like Gabe Davis, you know, or like like you gotta be it's not just getting younger. You need to shop around, be patient and get what you actually need for your team. To make it a win-win, they're getting some strong player. You need to get, I mean, in in the NBA terms, this is like trading a stud for a couple, you know, lottery protected future firsts that are like, 
well, what's that going to do you? Nothing. You just gave away a top 10 player. And it's like, this is the same equivalency, right? You can't just dump and you can't just say, I'm getting picks or I'm getting younger. You got to get things that give you a legitimate chance to win two or three times in the trade. I call it high quality shots. And you definitely want to be choosy. You, and if you, miss take out, the risk. if you whiff, you whiff. That's right. Over, you know, you, let's say a couple of years ago, I have a perfect example. It was Devontae Adams and two or three things. And guess what I got? I got Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins, and something else and something else. And you know what? So far, it hasn't turned out that well. I think I traded Akers before he got hurt. Or what, but the point is, like, you can still take what you consider high, high percentage bets, and they cannot work out. But the point is that you take the right bets. And if you roll snake eyes, so be it. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you about a couple recent trades I thought uh, saw that in terms of team building, that what circumstances does it make sense? Is this a good value? Because Carson Wentz is pretty polarizing. And I don't know if we've talked about him specifically. I know Jordan always uh, chides me because you know I'm, I'm an apologist about Carson Wentz. And I say, at least now I can say, hey, QB... 27, 30. I mean, you can't really beat the price. You yeah, know, you he's got sit, good value right now. Yeah, you can't sit there in that zone and say, I love uh, I love Jared Goff, but I hate Carson Wentz. I mean, you know, come on. I mean, you kind of got to call a leopard a leopard. <laughs> so um, this is Carson Wentz. Uh, this is Carson Wentz essentially for Kenny Galladay in a super flex league. I and would take, yeah. So, so Carson Wentz, though, what do you f- think about him in super flex where you say, do you think he's a good QB3 is he someone you'd be comfortable in your QB two spot, like team building wise, trade wise? Where is that sort of comfy zone for him? I would feel more comfortable with him as my QB three, but for that trade, I don't have a whole lot of faith in Kenny Galladay, and he's getting long in the tooth. I'd rather give me the quarterback, the bounce back potential. Uh, you know, a starting quarterback and super flex is going to be so much more valuable in season than the wide receiver. And one more quarterback I wanted to ask you about is Jameis Winston. I mean, we haven't really done a lot of, say, previews, but it looks like he's going to get a full-on shot yet again. Weapons are better with the Saints. Do you view him in a, in a higher tier of he's going to, like, years remaining as an NFL starter? I know Jared Goff, Wentz, Winston. These are guys with strong pedigree. They've done something in the past. Do you think Winston could be a guy that ends up in the top 15 or so this year? Uh, he was on that track last year in terms of production with the weapons around him. And this sort of turns into a Ryan Tannehill multi-year type situation. I think my gut feeling from what I've seen is he's on the rebound and he's somebody I've been trying to just pick up in every single league that I've got for cheap, cheap while he's still cheap, cheap before the injury, he was on a pretty good pace and he was really making Alvin Kamara better. He was making his weapons better. And Weapons yeah, he really know. didn't have, to be fair, right? I mean, the weapons are so much better this year. Right, exactly. Even so I, Landry. I mean, people I are- have a lot more faith in Winston than Wentz. Um, I would be fine with Winston as my QB too. Yeah, yeah. I think the upside is definitely there. He's going to have some big weeks. And frankly, on a per-game basis, I think it was a career year. Uh, he was in the works last year. Underrated. People are forgetting because it was, it was done by October, I think. Um, last trade I wanted to discuss with you. Marquise Brown got traded to the the Cardinals. He's going to have DeAndre Hopkins. We'll see if he appeals or something goes on, but likely out to start the year. Marquise Brown traded for Allen Robinson and a 23 second. So we have Allen Robinson, a couple years in the tank here, but changing situation uh, could mean big things with the Rams. You get that second round pick as well. Marquise Brown, um, 
I haven't really gauged you. We don't talk about every player, uh, you know, every six months or something. So Marquise Brown, where do you sit with him after his best year so far and now changing teams for, for Allen in a second? I think that's a great trade. I think it's a push. I like both sides. So if I were the team that got Allen Robinson and the 23 second, I'd be fine with that. If I was the one that got Marquise Brown, I'd be fine with that. Do you think, um, what do you think is more likely? Allen Robinson with like a top 12 season picking up where Robert Woods picked up, you know, picked, uh, left off last year, or him being like fantasy unstartable? Which do you think is more likely? I think it's more likely that Allen Robinson will stud out. Yeah. It's, it doesn't seem too easy. Like it's like, like an easy answer of he's going to McVeigh. They, they yeah. lose, they lose Woods. Cup is going to take all the attention. Robinson like has no expectations dynasty wise, like anymore. It seems like the easiest comeback story. <laughs> we can he, write. Yeah, he's he's getting a good quarterback. Uh, I think that it will rejuvenate him. Yeah. All right, uh, Katie. Final thoughts this week. So we've talked a lot about about team dynamics, and honestly, for me, the analyst, this is a fun time because you can work on little side projects. There's not a lot of pressure. You can check in with whatever dynasty teams you want over the next few weeks before things start heating up again. I just wanted to give a shout out to Scott Fish and the uh, SFB 12. It's about ready to start. Uh, there's a lot of live drafts across the country. I think that touch is really nice. Uh, there's a lot of people on Twitter that are posting. They got their invite. They're so excited. The chat rooms are starting to open up. The draft positions are filling up. And it's it's an exciting year. I love that all the money goes towards the kids and we we do a lot for this community. So hats off to Scott Fish and the Fishbowl. I'm excited. Um, I'm drafting from the number two position this year and in the Little Rock division. Little Rock. hey Excellent. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I was debating whether or not there was one uh, live draft in Orlando and I was like, Ugh. and I'm, I am glad I would have loved to have done it, but it is uh tough. I will say just uh, it's tough to make it over there and and do it and come back with some of the responsibilities I have going on. But man, yeah, all the live drafts that have been percolating up and I love the city, the city themes there. I was able to do Sacramento shout out to, uh, to where my parents reside. Um, and being a California kid myself. So um, yeah, uh, Scott Fishbowl kicking off. You're going to see it on Twitter a ton uh, with people sharing their drafts and uh, talking strategy. Katie, you want to talk about Know Your League? That's where uh, f- the format shifts every single year. And you got people talking about positional value. I've heard uh, kickers are back in this year. They were kind of out last year and we might be seeing a ton of them being flexed or, or and or drafted this year. Um, my last point that I wanted to make is, you know, this is the perfect time of year for a startup draft. And I think I mentioned it last week, but you know, I think static player value over the span of the entire startup draft is probably your best uh, your best bet. You know, I think it puts things on level footing uh, so that something big doesn't occur or is less likely to occur during the draft. And I, I really do think sometime in June, early July, perfect time period here. And I would also shout out one other thing. Don't don't feel like you need to be as dialed in. Trust me, we're going to be all about it uh, when uh, training camp and preseason and during the season. It's a long grind, whether you're in three leagues or 30 leagues, it's a grind. And so enjoy this time. Like I, I know I have been giving myself latitude to not grind, you know, and not do it at the same breakneck pace of getting ready for rookie drafts or around the NFL draft or a September 17th or something like that, where Again, 
I always, I've always said, if this, if there is a time to unplug and relax and spend more time out in the sun and enjoying uh, the weather wherever you are and family time and all this stuff, this is the time to do it. June, July, early August. So give yourself the the benefit and the latitude to, you know, it's okay to check out. You probably made a lot of the moves you wanted to make around rookie draft time, and you know what? A lot of people have dug in their heels. So I've had a lot of people ask that trading is more difficult this time of year. Nothing's happened for people to react to. Trust me, week three, week seven, plenty will happen to react to, and you will be able to make trades far easier. In-season trading is my favorite time of year. You know what? July trading is really tough, especially if your team is two months removed from your annual draft. So don't get frustrated. Know that it's difficult to pull off trades this time of year. And I've tracked my, my trades for a number of years. It goes down in June, July, as opposed to almost any other time during the year. So give yourself uh, some, uh, uh, give yourself a break. And you know, I'm not going to say get your life back because you should always have that balance. But perfect time of year to uh, to really exercise said balance with your dynasty teams. So for Katie Flower, uh, between episodes, uh, if you again you want a team assessment, you want some thoughts. Are am I super strong? Am I super weak? You know, what should I be doing here? You got a startup draft. You got Scott, Scott Fishbowl. Uh, she is number in the number two spot. I'm in the number seven spot in our respective league. So we can certainly help out, talk some strategy if you're around those parts as well. Or you just want to check up, see how we're doing, <laughs> see if we're putting this into action. So she's on Twitter at FF underscore Skylar 399. I'm at Chad Parsons NFL. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, never settle, refuse to be average and keep building those dynasties. Tim, I think we got the wrong interrogator if we were hoping for an easy so. time. Hey, we got this Jeep <laughs> Debbie uh, journey we're I don't going know if on. You got-